I accept the poster challenge. I accept the coaster 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 challenge. Do you accept the coaster challenge? What is the coaster challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, David Cantu and J.D. Prescott. How's it going, J.D.? Good, good, good. How's it going, David? It's going pretty good. Looks like we're going to have a really fun spring this this season. Uh, California's starting to reopen. Oh, I know, I know. Thank God. In our last episode, we found out that California theme parks are allowed to reopen starting April 1st. But uh, now more details are coming in on that. Yeah, uh, Disney won't open till what, May? May. Uh, Disney, Universal, and Knott's said they probably won't open till May. Knott's is still currently open with the Taste of Boysenberry Festival. Yeah. So I think they're going to wait for that to finish before they open up the entire park. Yeah, same thing with Disney, I think, because of the food festival. Yeah, the only parks we haven't heard so far yet is Six Flags, Magic Mountain, and SeaWorld, and Legoland. We don't know what if they're planning to open in April before, everybody, before Disney and Universal and all of them do, but... Uh, might be smart on their end if they were to get open in April, but I think we'll we'll see what their announcements are going to be. Yeah, we're just waiting on their announcements, right? Yeah, but anyway, we got a really good episode today. Oh, who do we have on today? Mm, this is actually a one-on-one with Andrew. Andrew, our correspondent in Florida, is interviewing a really great guy named Bennett, who's also has the Instagram account Coaster Dolphin. Oh, nice Coaster yeah. Dolphin. So this okay. actually is going to be a really really awesome interview, and uh, love to hear what Bennett has to talk about when it comes to coasters and breaking fears and all that fun stuff. So, but before we get to that interview with Andrew and Bennett, let's see what's happening in the news. Theme parks in California are allowed to open, but for California residents only. You must show a California ID when entering the park. Some parks are planning to open beginning of May. That's Disney, Universal, and not so far. Be sure to check out the park's website for further details. Cedar Fair Parks have started releasing their park operation schedules. That includes King's Dominion, Carowinds, Knott's Berry Farm, California's Great America, King's Island, and Cedar Point. Make sure to check the Cedar Fair website parks websites for uh, details, further details on their schedules for this upcoming coaster season. And that is what's happening in the news this week. All right, so Andrew, our correspondent in Florida, has a very special guest with him today, and we're looking forward to hearing this interview. So take it away, Andrew. Hey, Coaster Challenge fans. This is Andrew from Florida, and I'm doing an interview today with a coaster enthusiast. His name is Bennett. Bennett, welcome, and why don't you tell everyone about yourself? Hello, so I'm Ben. I'm a coaster enthusiast uh, from the Maryland Mid-Atlantic region, and I like to travel around, take photos of coasters, and I run an Instagram account called Coaster Dolphin. I also have a YouTube account the same name, but I haven't really been posting on that YouTube account, so call it that. Nice, nice. So actually, and that, that reminds me of a question I do want to ask you, and you and I have been connected, you know, on uh, Instagram a couple of years ago, and I was off Instagram for a while and just rejoined, and you know, hopefully I'll see your posts on there. And, you know, you and I have been talking separately offline. Yeah. Um, I've always wondered, and I think maybe you told me this when we first started talking a couple of years ago, but it seems like ancient history now with COVID. 
what yeah. is what is there? Is there any significance to the coaster dolphin? Is this because you like dolphins, or is it, what's what's the story? There? Yeah. So I originally had my account was a personal account, so that was originally named Ben L Dolphin, and you know I like the because I like SeaWorld. I kind of grew up going to SeaWorld, even though I lived in Maryland. I went to SeaWorld pretty much my whole life. Ever since I was about six years old, I've been going down to like the Orlando area ever since and just went to SeaWorld, saw the park transform. They added Manta. They expanded Shamu's Happy Harbor. They got rid of Shamu's Happy Harbor and replaced it with Sesame Place 2.0. And I just like dolphins in general because they're my favorite animal. And the reason why I transitioned my personal account to a coaster account was it was this one day back in 2019 it was tigress's soft opening you know i met dan uh midway mayhem and i met up with a whole bunch of other coaster enthusiasts as well so i was thinking you know what now's about the time that i just go ahead and transfer my personal account into a coaster account and then on that very day coaster dolphin was born nice nice i was uh so you said the tigress soft opening not not the uh vip event or the media event it was just a soft opening yeah it was the tigress soft opening back when there were a million enthusiasts there. And by a million, I mean like mainly the Florida enthusiasts all just kind of congregated together and just wrote it. Nice. Nice. I was uh, actually uh, coaster challenge was formally invited. We have a really good uh, representation and, and uh, relationship with the SeaWorld uh, company. Uh, and we are as an organization on the media list for SeaWorld Orlando, Bush Gardens, Tampa, and other parks. And uh, they've done a great job. Of course, me being based in Florida, I'm the East Coast rep for Coaster Challenge. And I've gone to uh, most of the events. And sometimes I can't go because of schedule conflicts. And they put on awesome media events. And one of my favorite events, actually, was this why I was just asking you, was for Tigris opening. We were invited out to a VIP night. And it was so cool. I took a buddy of mine. Um, my friend Mark Martinez, actually, you probably know him from Coaster Idiots, uh, El Toro Ryan. I I think I might have met him. Yeah, I bet you've met him. He's a super nice guy. He lives here in Florida. So I took him yep. and we went out to Bush Gardens. It was a nighttime event. You know, park was closed except to us. There was only be like 50 to 100 people there. And not only was Tigris open, but uh, let's see, uh, Sheikwar was open and the log flume. Nice. And so, you know, Mark knows so many people. He's, he was, he's from Florida here and he's been an enthusiast for a long time now. So we wound up meeting up with a couple of coaster kids that he knows, like Itai and uh, Alex Rizzi. And we all, the four of us just hung out the whole night and we kept like alternating between Tigris and Sheikra. We were like doing like marathon loops on Sheikra. Actually, it was super fun and nice. it was amazing food, awesome drinks, alcohol. It was so good. So good. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you got to experience the soft open on Tigris. Um, so, okay. So let's see, let, I want to kind of dump, dive in here to, uh, you know, some questions. These are, you know, questions I told you about in advance. And yeah. these are kind of things that we like to ask other enthusiasts that we interview here on the podcast. So the first one is pretty simple. This, uh, goes walk down memory lane for you. What was your first coaster that you rode? My first ever coaster that I ever rode was this little Zamperla, I like to call them death traps because of the transitions on them. But there was this one called uh, The Great Chase at Six Flags America. That was my first ever roller coaster. And I went on it and I wasn't that big of a fan at all. Like I was like, I don't think I'm really going to like roller coasters after riding that one. Because I don't know. 
back when I was like younger, I was a little bit more sensitive when it came to like louder noises. And like back then, I thought that chain lift sound was like ear rape. So I'm like, ah, I can't believe it's like super loud. I'm like, I, I was not a fan of that. So I've, I then rode my second coaster, which I found to be a lot better. In fact, I think my second coaster is defunct now is this one ENF miler that was featured in this one amusement park in Puerto Rico called uh, Wonder Park. It was owned by Namco and it was a nice little indoor family entertainment center that had a credit that I think even had like a maximum height restriction. So like even after I kind of like, even if I were to try to like, go now, if it were open, I would be able to ride it. Then I started like that. But I think in terms of like the first coaster I ever really liked, it was Shamu Express at SeaWorld ah. Orlando. Nice, nice, nice. And that's now uh, been rethemed for the Sesame Street. So I still call yeah. Shamu Express. Yeah, to no, this I totally day. get like, it. I, I totally get it. Yeah, they did. I do. I do think, by the way, that SeaWorld again, keeping in mind it's for kids, did a great job with Sesame Street. It, it's really, really nice. Uh, you know, they really cute. transformed the land. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah, they did that absolutely. Um, so, so by the way, you're in uh, Maryland. So, what do you consider to be your home park? What do you like? To refer to as your home park so technically i used to say it was like king's dominion or something like that because six flags america for the longest time really wasn't that great of a park like the staff wasn't the best the operations weren't the best but i even though six flags america is like maybe 35 minutes away from me um i didn't really consider that to be my home park like i'd much rather drive like the extra two and a half hour or the extra hour and a half to go over to King's Dominion because, you know, that park is well ran. They have Intimidator 305 and Twisted Timbers. You used to have Volcano, but that's been gone since last year or two years ago. And, but I reconsider Six Flags America my home park because one, technically it is. And two, it's just been a change in how the park has been ran. Like the operations have gotten better. The staff is miles friendlier than what they were before. Like it doesn't feel ghetto anymore it feels open and welcome and i'm glad to actually say it's my home park my technical second home park would be adventure park usa but that's like a really small park and i really don't like really consider it to be my actual home park and it's like also further away than six flags america from me Gotcha. So Six Flags America technically is your home park and you, you you look at it that way now, maybe not before. That's very encouraging. I've only been to Six Flags America once and that was back in about 2010 or so. And I was not impressed. Uh, you know, like you said, yeah. the, the, the personnel there, Six Flags team members, they were not friendly. The rides were meh. So it's good to see maybe that park is improving. That's encouraging. I'll have to go back. Yeah, that's there. how I kind of viewed. Uh, that's how I viewed my park for the longest time. Like the rides were met. Superman, when I went during opening day, which by the way, there were tons of enthusiasts there. And it was a great event. I absolutely loved it. Even though, you know, there I had waited a few lines. It's like, you know, all the rides were running really good. Uh, Superman actually had some great airtime and didn't feel like it sucked. Actually, front row at nighttime in the cold kind of reminded me a little bit of millennium force noise, and i absolutely wow. love that nice yeah it was running very that nice. good very nice so next thing i want to ask you is and this is not necessarily when you were young and we were talking about you know your first couple of coasters this is you know from the very first coaster that's in perla to today what has been the scariest coaster that you've ever gone on 
It kind of, well, for the scariest coaster, I would probably have to say in terms of back then, probably King to Cup because it's like super tall and super fast. And before the tallest coaster that I rode was probably, I think it was like either Superman or uh, it was Nitro. I think I rode Nitro before I rode um, Kina Ka. And I was like looking at that thing and it was like super massive and super intimidating. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to ride that so i get on the ride and i'm kind of like nervous about it because i'm like uh it's like super iffy and then i launch off i go up to the top i go down to the bottom go over that little speed hill come to an end and i honestly became a really big fan of it and at the end of the day what the king Ka really taught me was if i could ride this I can ride any coaster in the world without having to like really face any fear. So ever since that day, I no longer look at a coaster and think how scary it's going to be. I look at a coaster and I think, is it going to be good? Is it going to be rough? Is it going to be smooth? Is it going to have a lot of airtime? Is the pain going to be good? So I think that really changed my momentum when it came to that. The first coaster that actually truly kind of scared me, though, was cracking because it was the first coaster that I ever rode that went upside down. And I'm thinking, like, I rode Roar at Six Flags America not too long before, and I'm like, it's rough. And I was kind of worried because, like, I haven't really ridden a major steel coaster before, so I'm like, is this gonna be rough? I then go on Kraken, and then down goes the first drop. I heard some. I think it was my dad told me that, you know, you got to keep your head back like this so you don't get like any whiplash on the loop. But then I went on it. And I'm like, I didn't get any whiplash on it. It's smooth. It was fun. And then I ended up riding it like 30 more times. Nice. Like, nice. I loved it. Now, being on floorless coasters, at least the ones that are start off as floorless coasters, not the conversions, are really good. Oh, I've no, conversions, I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. So going back to kind of the first one you said, uh, which is King to Ka. So King to Ka, of course, yeah. is the tallest coaster in the world. And you said that the the largest or tallest coaster you've been on before that was Nitro. So you had not been on, say, for example, uh, Top Throat Dragster before King to Ka. Correct, because I actually haven't been. I didn't go to Cedar Point until like maybe four or five years later. So it was like all or nothing when it came to King Ka. I see. So yes, yeah, so you're talking about from a height perspective. You know, going from a, a hyper coaster like Nitro, which is a great B and M hyper. You know, yeah, it's over 200 feet. What it is? Yeah, yeah. So over over 200 feet to a to coaster over 400 feet, so you're like double the height, and yeah, it's intimidating. So I totally get it. I totally get it. Plus, also a much faster coaster too with King Daka with a catapult launch. So uh, going back, if you could think back to well, okay, let's go this way. Which would you say now that you've kind of talked it out? Which would you truly say was the scariest coaster? Was it King Daka or was it um, was it Kraken? Thinking back on it, it's kind of hard to think because, you know, me kind of like inputting my logic of I don't think that coaster for scare anymore. I guess you could probably say cracking because like a King to Ka, I, I didn't actually like hesitate like going on 
grass with Kraken is like, I was at SeaWorld for a couple of days and I didn't go on it the very first day, or at least that year. Oh. I think it was like 2008 when I first went on it. It's like, I was kind of like, do I go on it? Do I not go on it? With Kinaka, I was like, you know, it looks very intimidating. It probably looks very scary, but uh, screw it. Let me just go ahead and get on it because I'm going to have to eventually. So, gotcha. Okay. All right. So let's, let's dive deeper into Kraken then, your first experience. So, first of all, yeah. what was it like as you were? You know, approaching the station, walking towards the entrance and, you know, actually walking through the queue and about to about to board. What were you feeling? What were you thinking? Well, back when Kraken had its like old theming and it kind of like told the story of a Kraken. I'm like, oh, no, the Kraken monster's getting scarier. Like it's more and more havoc is getting wreaked. And it just seems like even more intimidating. And then, like when I go up to the actual station, I'm like. These trains are like big, bulky, and they have like these big over-the-shoulder restraints. And I'm like, that probably means the coasters going to be very scary because most of the coasters I've went on before only had like a simple lap bar or something like that. I rode Journey to Atlantis before, and I was like, that was fine. But it's like, you're stepping up big from like Journey to Atlantis to like freaking being a monster looper that has seven inversions, which... I mean, most being inverting coasters have seven versions, but you know, back to the point. Yeah, it's like super massive, super tall. It was the tallest coaster in Orlando at the time. So it was definitely like nerve wracking for sure. Sure, sure. That makes sense. And I can relate my first looping coaster, you know, because again, this is my first. So it's not like last year was, you know, these are back in the days when any coaster inverted. It, it automatically had over the shoulder restraints. You know, nowadays, you know, with the improvements in computer modeling and design, uh, you know, we can get into situations where not all looping coasters necessarily require over the shoulder restraints or they have best restraints, things like that. But certainly this is back yeah. in like 92, <laughs> showing my age here, uh, went to Six Flags Great Adventure, which was my home park growing up, grew up in New Jersey. And my friends, I was, was there actually for like the senior, not ditch day, but like senior trip day where all the seniors got to go to Great Adventure. And it was super yeah. fun. And I was there with a bunch of my friends, you know, from school and they were all the peer pressure. And they're like, Andrew, you got to go on Great American Screen Machine. It's awesome. It's right there towards the front. And yeah, so um, yeah. And so, so they got me to go on it. I had never been on a looper before. And this again is back in 92. Great American Screen Machine was very new at that point. It's a couple of years old, I think. And so it was yeah. super smooth. And I just, my, I, you know, I've told this story many times, but I, uh, you know, I was scared and seeing those over the shoulder restraints, not used to them. Like, oh my God, this is intimidating, you know, walking up the station and then got on it and it was freaked out. And the moment I went through my first loop, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I remember thinking that while I was on the coaster, like how awesome this is. And then when I got off of the ride, uh, you know, I told my friends, I said, um, okay, where are the other looping coasters here? And we need to go on all of them today. So I basically, that was my birth as a coaster enthusiast, really. Um, so, so let's go back to your Kraken experience. So what about yeah. kind of the other end of it? What happened that first ride after you got off the coaster? What were you thinking? What you're feeling? I was thinking, you know, when I heard the talk about you were going to get whiplash on the ride, I didn't get any whiplash because, you know, B&M is like, a master at making smooth yet intense roller coasters. So I'm thinking, wow, that was awesome. Let me just go ahead and like get back on it again. And I was just fall. I just fell in love with the ride and I just like kept riding over and over and over again. And 
I think it was like later on that same trip, I started to like begin marathoning that coaster, like doing it like over and over and over. I didn't get any head banging. It was super smooth. Uh, it was forceful and not like too overwhelming at the time. And I'm like, wow. It even got to the point where I was like, you know, I was like nine or 10 years old on my own. And then I just decided, Hey, like, let me just go by myself. Like y'all can watch the show. I'll ride cracking the entire time. And that's exactly what happened. Like later on, I was like left alone. And I just kept riding over and over and over and over and over again. Like even like my family were like, watching the sea lion show back when it was the wonderful Klein Timor take pirate Island. And they just saw me on Kraken. I had my hands up and everything. Cause I'm like, I just had that free spirit. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Love those it. floorless coasters, especially, you know, soon after they were open, again, when they were still new, like for example, I rode Medusa, not a great adventure, the mirror image Medusa at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in 99. It was basically brand new at that point. And it was butter nice. smooth. And, and, you know, those, those B&M floorless models, they, they usually have really nice layouts. That was super fun. The other one I rode maybe, maybe six months later was Superman Krypton at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Yeah, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. And yeah. of course that's an amazing ride because of the quarry and the kind of the setting and, and so forth. So yeah, I can totally get why, you know, going and cracking early on, you know, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You would find it smooth and really enjoyable. So would you say was, was, was riding Kraken, was that for you when you became an enthusiast or were you an enthusiast before that? I think I was kind of an enthusiast before. Like, I've always had an interest in roller coasters. In fact, I think my main interest in roller coasters kind of started when I got roller, when I got roller coaster tycoon of at course. like five <laughs> below. I saw it at five below and I'm like, you know, these roller coasters are kind of interesting. Like, what if I kind of want to ride one one day and then like, Kraken came along. I wrote that. And believe it or not, to this day, I've ridden most of the floorless coasters here in the States and even Krypton Coaster and Bizarro and Dominator. And of course, all the other ones. Floorless conversions don't count to me. Like, uh, they're, they're, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kraken's still my favorite floorless to this very day. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So interesting. Yeah. So you consider yourself enthusiast to some degree before riding it. And then after riding it, maybe it sounds like kind of it's cemented things for you where you're enthusiast and now no coaster is going to scare you. And you kind of have that new perspective you shared earlier. Yeah. So I kind of have that new perspective in terms of like, you know, I kind of want to. And then later on, it started to grow a little bit more after that. So I went from like, oh, like I want to like, I'm not afraid of any coaster to now. I want to ride all the coasters. I want to keep track of how many I ride. And I want to keep track of like how many that I've really been on and like, you know, see if I can try and have the most written out of any one of my friends. So I then started like keeping track. And I think it wasn't really until 2017 when I became like a really like big, big enthusiast. That's when I went to Kings Island for the first time. Cedar Point, Carolyn, Six Flags Over Georgia. And my family at the time, they were like, okay, well, let's just ride all the good big rides. Me, I was like, I want to ride all the coasters so I can really like say how many I've ridden. And I actually started keeping track of how many coasters I've ridden. That was before I was introducing to the whole concept of credits. Right. Where, you know, 
like I was trying to like nag my family is like, hey, let's go on. Let's wait in line for like Flight of Fear. Let's wait in line for this. Even though I kind of knew at the time they were clones, like I want to ride it just so I could have a plus one on my coaster account. And they didn't really buy it at the time. But then like later on, they were kind of like, yeah, let's just ride all the coasters here. Just see how they are. And then like they started getting to the introduction of credits and yeah. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was when I started keeping track of my credits, uh, probably maybe 15 years ago or so. And I had a spreadsheet uh, that I tracked them in. And then I remember actually right around the time you were talking about 2017, I was, I was thinking, you know, that famous question that we ask ourselves with smartphones, there's got to be an app for that. I got to find that. And so I started looking and I discovered Coaster Count. And it's one of those few apps yeah. that I was happy to pay for. You know, I paid the yearly subscription. And I remember I was sitting in my hot tub. I used to live in San Diego in our backyard there in San Diego. And I, nice. uh, I had my phone and I was, you know, I saw I have the spreadsheet app on my phone. And I was kind of you know looking at that and then switching over to Coaster Count. I'd set up my account and just finding the coasters on there. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And it took me like a few hours sitting in the hot tub. But uh, one night it was pretty funny. But I'm, I, I love Coaster Count. It's so nice. Uh, do you use that or what do you use to, to keep track of your credits? So what I do is I have some notes on my phone. So back in 2017, I was like, I went backtracked. I count all the coasters that I've written. And then I realized when I first started, like actually like realizing, okay, this is how many coasters I've written. I was already at like 104, 107. Like I realized it when I went on this random wacky work at the Marley Station Carnival, which <laughs> I'm really disappointed it didn't happen last year. And I hope it happens this year because they have this Pegasus 16 flat ride that I just love. Nice. But I started uh, counting up. And then ever since then, what I would do is I was just like add plus one, plus one, plus one. I don't like really keep track of the names, but I just kind of like add plus one. And then like for milestones, so such as, 300 350 i even keep track of like my 333s i like write down the name of the coaster for like you know significance and i try to like make it so that a big coaster that's like well known and well respected is each milestone uh, i almost made my 300 a wacky worm <laughs> but instead i made a twisted cycle in six life over georgia my 200 was a boomerang in ocean city my 350 i can't remember what it was probably something stupid and my 400 was cannibal nice nice so by the way i think you mentioned this so you said your 300th was um twisted cyclone in georgia that's correct oh my god my 300th was that coaster as well yeah that's complete that's yeah. so awesome that's crazy that yeah so that was that was when i my 300th, I think, was the first time where I actually, this is, you know, I was finally keeping track and where I actually, you know, printed up a little sign and I actually made it a point because I'd never been to Six Flags Over Georgia at this point. And I was at like 292 or something walking into the park that day. And I'm like, I'm going to make, because it was brand new, I'm going to make it my 300th. So I'm going to go on these other ones first. I was mapping it out. And then I, you know, so that was cool. The other thing that was awesome um as my 325th coaster i wouldn't normally keep track or make a big deal about that but i've never been to carowinds you already know where i'm going with this and Ooh, david i know and I, you're going with that. <laughs> yeah the, the same trip where you met david a few days later up i think at king's dominion um david was doing that road trip along the east coast for the first time and you know i was already living in florida at this point and i drove up to north carolina to meet up with him and i'd seen him in a couple of years 
And uh, he went to Carowinds with me for my first time there. And we had a great day. It was a little hot. It was Memorial Day weekend, Saturday. But we had an awesome day. And he was there for my 325th on Fury. Uh, there we were in the front row with, with my sign. Actually, one of the photos that's on Coaster Challenge's webpage, you know, Facebook and all that is that. So this is super fun. Yeah, actually, David is uh, David's in the background here, by the way, he's producing this this episode. So, David, do you, you want to reflect on that? You were there with me for that special day. Yeah, that was that was pretty. Uh, I say that's a rare moment. It's like a special jewel in your memory in your life. Um, yep. To be there was 325th on Fury 325. So I told Andrew, I said, well, my coaster count right now, as of right now, is 207. Um and it's, it would have been higher. I probably would have been at 300 by the end of 2020 if the pandemic didn't happen. Yeah. But um, but I got a lot of catching up to do hopefully this year <laughs> or next year. Um, so sure. I told Andrew, I said, well, my 305th coaster is going to, I can't do it now because I already wrote it. It's going to be 305. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I would have right. waited on it. thing is that easy to like uncount credit. Done, done as my 305th, but I guess I'll wait for the next new coaster that has a number and around that time. And uh, if it does, then I might say, okay, I'll save that for my 300th or 305, or we'll see what the next Giga coaster, if they ever build another Giga. In there the you go. States. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I, I <laughs> just thinking about this. So I, I've done a lot of international parks over the years. Um, and I, there's still many, many more I need to do. And even ones here in the U S I got to do, but I'm at 330 right now, my coaster count. And again, like David, I would have probably been higher last year, but I just had bought a house and then a pandemic. And But again, goals, hashtag goals. But anyways, my long-term goal, because I have been to Japan, um, but I've only been a couple parks there, uh, in particular, Fuji-Q Highlands, which is awesome. Um, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's such a good park. Um, but been I've, all over. But I've, what's that? You've been all over. You've been to China. Oh yeah, I've been to, yeah, Taiwan, China, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, all over Europe, all over the Middle East. Um, I, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, obviously, you know, this is a coaster theme podcast. We've got coaster enthusiast listeners and maybe some younger folk. I know Coaster Challenge. We have a lot of a lot of kid listeners and kid fans, which we appreciate. Um, I my advice to you in terms of you know if you're thinking about or when you're thinking about. Uh, you're, you know, what kind of career to go into is, of course, there's always the typical, I want to be a coaster designer, or work at a park. And that's great. And that's a good goal. And, and yeah. good luck with that. That's awesome. The other thing I recommend is just, you know, getting into a kind of a white collar professional career, which is what I have. I'm an, I'm an engineer and where you can travel. Because uh, obviously a big part of being an enthusiast is the travel. So by nature, if you're an enthusiast, you like to travel to some degree. So find that's a job. exactly how I want it. Yep. Yep. So if you find a job where you can travel, find a career you can travel, you know, sales, um, marketing, you know, it's just, about, you know, it's all kinds of jobs that involve traveling, uh, visiting customers really is a big thing, going to trade shows, things like that. Uh, and then you'll be set really well. You're going to have awesome times and just, you know, schedule in some time on those special, those big international trips or a place you haven't been even like in the U S and just, you know, make some PTO or stay over the weekend and get on those coasters and, of my 330, I haven't done the division on it. 
but a probably most of my 330 majority of my 330 is because of traveling for work over the years so Nice. Um, yeah. So, so the, yeah, thank you. So what I was getting at is I've not been in Nagashima spa land and I know I have a race against time here because it's getting old, but I'd like for my 2000 poster to be still dragon 2000. Uh, I don't know if I'll get there, you know, in time uh, before, you know, inevitably gets taken out, but anyways, so, all right, let's keep going here. So uh, going back to your, and this is, I promise you, uh, last question I'll ask you about that first time cracking experience, but um, did writing that for the first time, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it seems like your perspective changed, but did it have a, any impact your, on your life to ride that coaster? Um, I wouldn't exactly say it really impacted my life. Like I was still kind of like, you know, existing back when I went to like elementary school. Cause that was like a long time ago, but I mean, if anything, you know, it wasn't the ride itself, like riding for the first time that really impacted it, but it was more of like, you know, when I did like end up marathoning it by myself and like, you know, kind of like seat hops back in the day, it's like, it kind of forced me to go out, try to talk to people. And in return, I got another ride on the ride. And, you know, because of that, I became a lot more extroverted because I was more of like an inside person, not really like talking with people, but you know, I reached out to more people. I made a bunch of friends who were coaster enthusiasts and also who were not coaster enthusiasts. I know one person that I've met over doing that was actually this guy named, um, I forgot uh, the name. I'm not really good at names, but like his account's Coaster Cafe. And he worked at Hershey Park. And I met him by having this thing, I call it luck of the single rider, where there's always like, an open seat in the front row, you take it, you skip like three trains worth of people just so you can get a front row ride. Right. It's always and awesome. And I met him and I had a great time with him. Road Storm Runner film bunch in 2019. And then because he was a write-off at or not write-off, he worked at uh Hershey Park, he actually had free access to go into a bunch of parks. So I was able to go into Knobles for free. I was able to go to Kennywood for free. And I think I was able even to like meet up with him at Sesame place. He would have gotten me in Sesame place, but unfortunately uh, I already had my, or actually fortunately I already had my platinum pass. So I didn't have like anything to like go there. And I also had another friend, his name is Justin and he now lives in Florida, but he used to be a ride operator at six flags America. In fact, um, I remember going on this date with this one girl and I met up with him. He was operating Superman. I'm like, this guy actually knows what he's doing. And then like, I'm like, Hey, like he's pretty cool. And then like, I actually ended up meeting up with him later on, like a few months later and we became good friends. And I was going to go down to Florida with him yesterday, but I just want to feel like going to Florida. I I need, I need some sleep. So, (laughs) but yeah, he lives in Florida and, you know, whenever I would go to Florida, I'd meet up with him and have a good time, party up a little bit. Nice. <laughs> you know, typical like young adult stuff. But right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I guess, if anything, riding Kraken that one time made me realize that, you know, going out and reaching out to other people is going to be very beneficial. And trust me, it's helped me out a lot. 
That's awesome. That's great. I love that positive impact it's had. So um, next question, and this doesn't have to be about Kraken. It can be about any other coaster, or maybe it is about Kraken. What would you say was your craziest moment ever on a coaster? That's re- That's a really tough question because I've had so many crazy moments on coasters. I will say one of them is when I lapped Storm Chaser, and I had the basically minimum threshold for the restraint because the ride operators are like kind of lean in terms of like getting room. And I know like the main ride op was a coaster enthusiast himself too. So I'm like, sweet, I'm actually going to get room. So I was like flying out of my seat and it actually was so violent that I could really only ride Storm Chase in the front or else it'll actually hurt too much in the back. Uh, Intimidator 305 lapping around with like a bunch of enthusiasts that was also really crazy, too. <laughs> um, riding Rampage at Alabama Splash was also insane, especially if you got a lot of room. Oh, my gosh. That drop in the back row. Woo! It's different. Nice. I've not been on yeah. Rampage. I'm trying to think of the other. I was just going to say, I'm not, I've not highly been on Rampage. Highly recommend Rampage. Yeah, I, it's not that far. You know, I, I'm living in Florida. But, uh, Rampage sticks out for me. Uh, because a friend of mine, uh, it's actually um, Goliath from uh, Ride This One podcast. He uh, he lives uh, kind of Georgia Tennessee border, and he notoriously hates wooden coasters. Makes fun of them. He's all about steel, and he rode Rampage, yeah. and Rampage made him a fan of wooden coasters. So Rampage yeah. is a very solid CCI, and I will say also about Alabama Splash is. The way the park is ran is basically holiday world, but better. Nice. Nice. I, I've heard good things. I got to get over there. Like I said, I just, and again, this is not a, a violin on the shoulder thing. I mean, this is, you know, a good thing and a happy thing. I kind of fulfilled a near lifelong dream uh, last year. Um, right as the pandemic was starting, I uh, closed on a brand new home that we had custom built uh, one block from the beach here in New Smyrna Beach is where I live. Yeah. So I live 45 minutes from some of the most amazing parks in the world, like Universal Orlando, which is where I was yesterday. And I'm right here on the beach. One of the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen, you know, the white sand beach here, Atlantic. And I've, I've grown, I grown up um, around the ocean. I used to, when I was growing up in New Jersey, my parents, we had a, uh, a condo in Long Beach Island. Beach Haven, probably heard of that because you're from Maryland, I've, South Jersey. I know there's like one credit there, but I never yes. got to reach it because it's like still out of the way. To see drag, yeah, actually, um, it's a dragon coaster. I actually, funny story. Okay, so just to finish up, I grew up near the beach. Used to live for the summers when I was a teenager in, the, in that condo, and just some of the best times of my life were at the beach. I was in the ocean every day, and like you, dolphins is one of my favorite animals. I've swam with dolphins. I've done training for a day at SeaWorld. Um, I've swam with sea lions. I actually used to do sea lion rescue in California and used to triage sea, sea lions, give them medication and tube feed them and rescue distressed animals, distressed uh, sea lions stuff on the beach. And I love marine, marine mammals. Uh, that's kind of my thing as I love them. Um, but anyways, so, uh, you know, living, wanting to live near the beach has been a lifelong dream and I've rented homes near the beach over the years, California, but I've never been in a position to own a home near the beach. And that was ultimately my big goal, rather own than rent. And last year I made it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful home that I'm sitting here right now, again, block from the beach. I love it. What a, the best time to close on a home, you know, where you're going to want to spend time in your home and need to spend time in your home during a pandemic. It's I've been very fortunate for that reason. 
Um, but anyways, so you mentioned the one credit in Beach Haven and Long Beach Island. So funny story. Uh, my very first job when I was 14 years old, that, that when we lived there for those few summers, this is in the late 80s. I was a you know, teenager. Um, I worked all the three summers and I worked at Fantasy Island Amusement Park. I worked in the lemonade cotton candy stand and the made food stand. And I rode that roller coaster, that powered dragon coaster many times. And it was a such, such fun beach during the day, working at the amusement park at night, getting on the rides for free. So, um, but yeah, yeah I've been on that one credit there. It's, it's funny. That brings me walk down memory lane there. Um, so yes, yeah, so we are talking about the craziest moments. Um, uh, so it's, I think you were thinking of, you said maybe some others you were trying to think of, or have you ever been stuck on a coaster? Have you ever been evac Yes, I have actually. Like, let's hear about that. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry about that. No um, in terms of being stuck on a coaster, I think the most frightening one was we were stuck on the second lift hill of Loch Ness Monster, and it was during uh, Halloween haunt. Like there's fog everywhere, all the lights were off. I couldn't even see anything really in the distance, and just like the ride just stopped. And I was thinking, you know, are they gonna like? have like little monsters come out from like the woods or like scare actors. If they would have done that, that would have been really awesome to like try and scare the riders on the ride while the ride's like technically broken down. But unfortunately that didn't happen. We were stuck there for like a good 20 minutes or so, but I did get to walk home with the story. to tell. I also got stuck um, on Joker's chains and actually had to get evac off that first break run, which in the Cedar fair models, this is the second station. But oh. it was definitely interesting because like what they had to do is they made you walk down the catwalk, which completely safe. They made you sign this paper of liability, which I I didn't understand. But like I get they have it for like so you don't sue the park and whatnot. I actually did get evac a second time. And the time I got evac, it was actually the first time I ever got the credit. It was pandemonium at Six Flags Over Texas. Went there the year before. Ride was shut down pretty much both days. Got to miss it, unfortunately. We're coming back the next year. It's open. Woohoo. And we were about to like get in because I was like telling everyone, like, let's just ride this just because I know it's going to break down later in the day. So we get on it and then it breaks down. We were like stuck on the final break run and we were just like waiting for a bit. And then they told us to evac. So I found hmm. that to be really cool. And we actually used, um, flash passes to get on Mr. Freeze because they needed the credit and I needed a rewrite on it. So huh. Interesting. Interesting. That was a very, very interesting experience. But overall, the craziest experiences are if you're doing one with a whole bunch of enthusiasts, because you're surrounded by a whole bunch of other enthusiasts, they hype everything up. We're like all so excited to ride. And Fall Thrill Fest was one of the hypest and craziest coaster experiences because everyone there was like, we pretty much had a full train of enthusiasts. Nice. And everyone was just like yelling and shouting and like, woo! Like we all had the same love and passion. So nice. the true craziest experiences for me were the ones where I got to share it with other people who have the same interests as me. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I've done some ACE events and things like that. I've had some experiences like that and definitely would like to do more. Um, I just don't, I'm not for sure. Yeah. In the job I have currently, I'm not traveling well at all right now because of COVID, but even normally I travel a little bit, but not, not much, maybe once every month or two, but actually, you know, that, that, you know, we'll see what happens there. You never know what I might, where I might wind up next and traveling and stuff. But um, I, uh, you know, you talking about having a train full of enthusiasts, that's interesting because, you know, like everyone's excited and you kind of have that momentum building and stuff. So I totally get it. Uh, it kind of reminds me of two experiences on different sides of the equation. So it wasn't really an ACE event or any kind of enthusiast event, but my first trip to Kings Island was in 2001. And I was there with a couple of other ACERs that were locals that I knew um, from, um, you know, bulletin boards. This is again before, you know, Facebook and all that. And I met up with them at the park and it's their home park and they wanted to show it to me. And we got ERT on Son of Beast with the loop. This was back with the loop. It was the opening season. Wow. So that's in the morning. Right. That was awesome. And they knew park management. They introduced me to people and it was so cool. And, and um, we had ridden the beast in the daytime and it's, it started to rain and it was nighttime at this point. This is in the summer. So it's still warm. And they're like, it's nighttime. It's raining. Oh my God, we got to go on the beast. So we rush over to the beast. And again, it wasn't an enthusiast event. I was with a couple of acers, but uh, the ride ops, this is back in the Paramount days. Uh, the, the main operator with the microphone, the station, uh, the, with the controller, um, the console, uh, he was, you know, getting everyone hyped up and people were like stamping their feet on the wooden platform and making lots of noise and screaming. And so, you know, it's very much like being at an enthusiast event, even though it was just, you know, a few, a few acers along with a whole bunch of other people. But, and that night ride on beast was amazing. Uh, on the flip side, you know, where, yeah, like you said, it's great to have all these enthusiasts screaming and everyone's excited. You can feel that energy. When I went to China uh, two years ago, almost exactly two years ago now, uh, when I rode Battle of Jungle King, which is, you know, a tilt coaster, a golden horse, um, I rode it a few times because I it's an awful coaster. It's it's very bumpy. It's a golden horse. It's not built well, you know, even though it's- Is it like, like potholy bumpy or is it like just bad transition bumpy? Potholy bumpy, I would describe it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it's not fun to ride. But the, but the tilt is unique. Um, but anyway, so I had to, a couple times to film it and stuff. What the time that I filmed it, where we have it on our channel, you can hear this woman uh, behind me screaming, you know, crying in agony. Like she just sounds like she was dragged on the ride, and against her will. Or I felt so bad for her, but it's like that's like the reverse of the energy thing where it's like, it's kind of dragging you down almost. So I totally get it. You know, why, where, um, you know, where it's, it's definitely beneficial to have a, a train full of enthusiasts, whether, you know, because they're at the event or you're just with a bunch of friends, because it really brings up that energy. Um, yeah. 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 So what would you say is your favorite coaster? Mako. By hands down, Mako. Nice, nice. Na Mako is definitely one of my favorite. I think it's in my top 10 currently. Um, I no, love night nice. rides on Mako. Love night rides Me on too. Mako. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. One, because you're not, not going to feel that heat, you know, and because, uh, you know, I was at Universal Orlando yesterday. Here we are in March. It was only maybe in the high 70s. 
But with that sun beating down on you, you could feel it. And I definitely needed to take a, a break from the heat in the sun a couple times during the day yesterday. I was there most of the, oh, yeah. most of the day. But yeah, Mako is great at night because you're not feeling that sun beating down at you. There's not much lighting and it's a great night ride. My favorite night ride's Beast though, but Mako's great. And Mako's definitely also my favorite B&M Hyper, even though it's barely a Hyper given its height. Uh, it's just such a great coaster. So nice. If the reason why I love it so much is two clicks back row at night in cooler weather. That's where Mako shines. And I will say Mako is one of the few coasters that I personally think runs better in the cold than it does in the hot. Interesting. Um, I've ridden in both. Yeah, I mean, it does run pretty well because I, I was just at SeaWorld. Um with actually some uh, coaster challenge fans and friends of the show, actually that we're planning on having them on for a separate interview. Like we're doing here today with you, Bennett. Uh, you may actually know them, Larry and Gene lines from Ohio. Might have, I'm not too familiar. Yeah. Yeah. they they go everywhere, but I met up with them. They're here in Florida visiting from Ohio and we spent a whole day. It was actually in January, it's early January. Um, we spent the whole day at SeaWorld and it was pretty chilly that day. And yeah, Mako is definitely riding well. I'll have to start looking at that because I ride Mako all the time. It's, it's SeaWorld's one of my home parks. So totally, uh, totally can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on the other side of the spectrum. So we talked about your favorite coaster being Mako. What's your least favorite coaster that you've been on? There's like multiple categories with it. Yeah. You couldn't have more in least favorite wooden coaster, I'd probably have to say Coaster Saurus because one, the restraints are like really restrictive. Two, the ride just doesn't really do anything. And like, there's no airtime, there's no forces. It's just, ah, uh, uh, uh. it's basically like a kitty version of Wildcat Link compounds, which, by the way, I don't care that the ride has a massive history. That, that thing needs to just get RMC. <laughs> nice Armchy Wildcat at uh, Lake Hollis. Not Hershey. I actually like the Hershey one. Nice. My least favorite technical, like active credit right now is Flying Ace Aerial Chase at Carowinds or Kitty Hawk, is what they call it, because <laughs> I don't understand how a kitty coaster is supposed to have that much headbanging. Like you're going 20 miles an hour, and I've gotten worse headbanging on that than an actual SLC. So David, do you want to pipe in here? <laughs> I think David has a few things to share on this one. Oh, I think uh, yeah. there, there um, he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? You're right, Bennett, because that, that was mentioned in one of my previous episodes. Someone asked me what was my least favorite. <clears throat> Everyone was thinking I was going to say a boomerang or a Oklahoma SLC. But I turned around, I said, no, the one coaster I hate the most is Kitty Hawk over at Carowinds because that coaster only goes, what, 25 miles an hour. Exactly. And when I looked at it on the outside, it's like, okay, it looks like a mini Bacoma SLC. You know, it's just doing these slow turns. And, you know, I'm like, okay, it should be an easy coaster credit. When we get up to the top of Lift Hill and make that first turn, your head's like bang right away and all of a sudden bang. And then and I'm like, why is my head banging so hard on a kitty coaster? But when I got off, I had such a bad headache. I had to go to medic to get aspirin. 
and I had to sit and drink some water and I had to relax for a little bit. It took about two hours, but it killed two hours of my day for me to go on Fury or go do any other favorite coaster I like to do at Carowinds, but I'll never go on that coaster ever again. But Flying Ace Aerial Chase at Kings Island, different story because the the, the restraints are different. They're not the over the over shoulder restraints on Kitty Hawk go all the way up to your head like a, the Bacoma S like Mindy Racer over Six Flags America. The, the shoulder head restraints go all the way up to here. Uh, aerial chase over at Kings Island is not like that. It's like a seatbelt strap type thing. It's almost like it's with teeth. Like something similar, but like the it still has like hard like over the shoulder things. But instead of it being like directly near your head, is more of like over to the side so your head does have some headroom yeah exactly so and, and yeah i was gonna say um another thing to say too is that i've written two other of uh, the same exact vacoma hanging bangs like flying ace aerial chase i rode i think it was bat at lagoon and i also rode um flying school at legoland florida and i yeah. will say neither of those two even though they still had the hard over the shoulder restraints they did not bang at my head as much as flying ace aerial chase at Carolines. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I was going to re reflect on uh, flying school because I have been a Legoland. I've not been on any of the other uh, family junior Vacoma suspended coasters. Um, but I, so David, uh, buckle up for this one. So uh, just so you know, Bennett, where I'm going with this, David and I, as along with uh, Iva, from Wildcat Coaster, she also helps out with Coaster Challenge as another correspondent. Uh, yeah, I've met with her a few yeah, yeah. So the three of us, well, I mean, I'm already here in Florida, but the three of us are planning for a visit by David and Iva uh, in probably October this year for a week or two, uh, which I will be meeting up with them at various parks and really excited to have, have them come down here. And we're planning a trip right now. We were just actually, we had a Zoom chat uh, earlier this week kind of our first planning session and uh we were one of the no, things we were I... talking about is what parks to go to or not go to and legoland came up and i was strictly i was highly discouraging uh david and iva uh, to go there i've been there before I've, I've been there free with the media pass because the coasters there are awful and in fact david here is evidence uh two of the coasters that were mentioned here uh, are at Legoland. Now, to, to be fair, Bennett mentioned that uh, Flying School is not as bad as the others. Uh, it, and that's probably true. I've been on it. It does bang you around a little bit for such a junior coaster. It's, you know, it, it's strange that a family coaster can bang you so much. But um, the other one, though, that yeah. Bennett, the first coaster you mentioned, Coaster Saurus, I had so much, I had such high expectations for that ride at Legoland because it's a, a junior gravity group. Woody. And I was thinking it's going to be, you know, like, like one of the newer ones, you know, like at Kentucky Kingdom or Sesame Place, you know, Oscar's Wacky Taxi. Oh, my God. I, my description is, is matches yours, Bennett. That ride does nothing. It's just rough. It's not fun. There's no airtime. So, uh, you know, David, don't go to Legoland unless you have lots of extra time. Um, or if you don't really care about riding the coasters. <laughs> Probably not going to be going because it's pretty far out away from everything else. So yeah. and I'm, we're doing a planning a 12-day trip because Iva's very restrict on how many days she can have. So I guess we're only going to have like eight full days 
in Florida. So I'm like, I got to make sure I can cover Busch Gardens, Universal. I don't need to go to Disney World and spend four days there because right. I've already been there. I think the key thing I want to visit is uh, Hollywood Studios for the Toy Story Land and the Galaxy's Edge there. So I can say I can be one of the ones that says been to both Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Um, and then I mm-hmm. want to go to Magic Kingdom because when I went for the first time in 2017, I literally went to Disney World the day after Hurricane Irma left. Crazy. Because Irma delayed my trip by three days. But we managed to get on a flight immediately while the hurricane was in the process of leaving. And when we got, we were able to get into Orlando the very next day. And I, I actually got to see some of the hurricane devastation in Orlando, which wasn't as bad as further south, like toward the Miami day. Mm-hmm. But Disney World had palm trees down. But we, when we got to the resort, we stayed at the Caribbean resort. They had so many down palm trees and stuff throughout the resort. They were gone in a day. Disney was so quick. Mm. Getting mm. Everything cleaned up. Nice. The parks were open the next day. I had Magic Kingdom all to myself. It That's was like cool. there was only like 50 people <sighs> in the park. So I didn't, my, I had a fast pass for res- reservation fast passes. I didn't need them because I was riding Space Mountain six times in a row. I was going to Pirates like it was nothing. The only thing I didn't get to experience was Jungle Cruise and Splash Mountain because they were shut down for the hurricane. Uh, Everything yeah. else was, and, and I couldn't experience Hall of Presidents because they were changing presidents during that transition. So those are the three things I didn't get to experience at uh, Magic Kingdom, but I would like to at least get on that Splash Mountain because the the logs on that ride are different from Anaheim because Anaheim is like the bobsled where you all slide together in one thing. Uh, It's kind of like what Knott's Berry Farm has with their log ride. It's like multiple people, but and uh, Orlando's is uh, two seater, right? Like two people. Two people also, together. also the theming is better. It, the the animatronics, the theming is a little, is a little, little more in, in, intricate than Disneyland's. Um, I'm hoping yeah. it's still open, right? Uh, you haven't. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the Florida one's still open, and I actually got to have the benefit to ride it this past October because. Again, kind of like where, you know, knowing connections kind of helps out a lot. I had a connection that was able to get me into Disney World for free. Like, I literally did not give a single penny to the House of Mouse. Nice. And I I will say, like, I'm extremely grateful to go into an event, especially going to something like that. Because after I saw the prices of, like, a one-day ticket, I'm like, oh, yeah. But... Yeah, I got to experience Splash Mountain and fun fact, or this is a weird fact, I actually got to school that day. So my professor was lecturing like out, but I was on the ride. And since Disney allows you to have your phone on the ride, I was like literally like half paying attention to the lecture, <laughs> half actually like on the ride. So I'm like <laughs> how funny. Uh, <laughs> how funny. That's 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 unique. <laughs> yeah. Um so Okay, so now my last uh, formal question here that's on our list of questions that we usually ask is, what advice can you give to people that are listening? And, and to frame this question, keeping in mind the mission of Coaster Challenge, uh, you know, is to really to help people uh, really go beyond just the fun of theme parks and coasters and really look at how they can benefit people, whether it be physical, with physical elements or mental elements, you know, or, or just, you know, being afraid of something. It's not necessarily an ailment, although you could call it anxiety. Um, 
you know, what do you have advice for people, you know, in terms of that and those types of things? Well, in terms of that, I just really recommend people like to just say, just go for it. Like, don't hold back from anything in particular. If it feels like there's something that's fearing you and it doesn't and you know that it won't cause like any immediate like negative harm to like yourself or anyone else. Just take the chance and take the leap of faith when it comes to like talking to people, because at the end of the day, in this whole coaster community, you never know who exactly you're going to meet. Like you could meet someone that could end up getting you free admission to a park that you never thought you'd ever go back to or, you know, help you out with camera stuff. Like, for instance, um, I knew someone who gave me or I gave me this uh, camera lens for a cheap, much cheaper price than what it would be uh, for brand new because he was getting a different lens. Now, granted, I don't nice. use that lens anymore because I have like a much better one. <laughs> but you know, you never know who that. And for instance, I mean, there could you could be lucky enough and have meet someone who would end up helping you with your traveling. Like, just go out, try and talk to people, make those connections. I cannot stress that enough. Like, not even in the coach world but also in real life because you will get so many perks in life by making these connections with all these people who would be there to help you out. And it's not like you're going out there and you're like kind of demanding it from them. Like, you know, you're friends with them. It's a mutual thing. I mean, that's probably the only reason why I'm going, I might be going six flags over Texas tomorrow because I mean, I wouldn't have to pay for airfare. Like I've made that connection. And like one of the biggest things I've always wanted to do is just, fly around anywhere and because of that connection which i'm extremely extremely grateful for i don't have to worry about paying for a flight ever again at least flying domestically but if you're not if you feel nervous going up to people talking to them and trying to make friends with them don't be because you never know what type of things you will end up getting in life as a beneficiary and that would ultimately help you out in achieving what your ultimate goals would be you know, that's really awesome. I really like what you just shared there. And I, I have to agree with everything you said. And it, like you said, not just with, with coaster enthusiasts and being involved in this hobby, but just in life in general. You know, one of my lessons that I learned from my dad when I was young, one of the things my dad was really good for is, is teaching lessons, you know, life lessons. And he had a lot of good, smart things to say. One of the things he said is, Andrew, sometimes in life, what you know is not necessarily as important as who you know. And, you know, those personal exactly. connections, you know, referrals for a job, you know, just helping you out. And, and, and by the way, and I, know, and I know you mean it this way, Bennett, because I know you, it's not just about what people can do for you. It's what you can do for them. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, a mixed thing and just karma, whatever you want to call it, just being there for people and vice versa. And I, I do agree with you with that advice specifically about, you know, if you're shy, try not to be and just, just, you know, remember most people are very friendly. Uh, I am not a shy person. Uh, as David can attest, yeah. <laughs> because he knows me well, I'm um, pretty outgoing, and um, that can, that can make life better. My uh, forgive Much me, better. I think I think it's probably a story that's been heard on this podcast before already for some of the episodes we recorded. But uh, it's one of my favorite stories. I was in China, like I said, two years ago. Amazing trip. I was there for work, but again, perfect example of what I said earlier. Uh, about leveraging work to to be able to ride coasters and making taking making the most of being some other country, and in that I was there in China for two weeks, 
only took a few days off, you know, for PTO. Otherwise I was working and I had the weekends free. I went to what was, I think five different parks. And one of the parks I went to uh, was Shanghai Disney, of course, you know, who was not going to go to Shanghai Disneyland. And, um, and I had to go to Shanghai Disneyland and no, quote unquote had to, because it was the only Disney park I had been to yet. I can, all the travels I had over the years, I've been to Hong Kong, I've been to Japan, I've been to France, you know, I've been all over. Um, so I had to go. Plus I, I had to write Tron because I loved the Tron movies. I love Daft Punk soundtrack, et cetera. So Daft Punk is legendary. Oh yeah. They're great, great artists. And that <laughs> soundtrack is, I listen to it all the time. The Tron legacy soundtrack. And, um, so uh, and by the way, because I know you come to Florida a lot, Bennett, uh, I, you probably don't realize how lucky you are that you're kind of your home away from home parks. Maybe you call Orlando your parks, how lucky you're going to be to get Tron, how lucky we are to be getting Tron. It is such a good ride. I am excited to ride Tron where that opens. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So uh, I remember, you know, David and I, you know, because when I was in China, I was there for work for my my job that pays the bills. But I was also doing a lot of work for Coaster Challenge, volunteering, doing filming. And David and I were talking over texting and even even had voice calls when I was in China. And I remember I was it was the last night, the second to last night of the trip. And I had one more free day and I forget what park I was supposed to go to, but it was going to be a pretty involved train ride. And I already had done a lot of train rides and I was getting kind of worn out. Yeah. And I really, 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 really wanted to just go back to Shanghai Disney and ride Tron and pirate some more and just enjoy those park, that park some more. And I remember calling David because I almost felt guilty. Like, cause I told him I was going to go to this other park and David said, you know, just do, you know, do it, go, go to Shanghai Disneyland. And, and sorry, my dogs are barking in the background. Um, so you're good. No worries. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I'm so glad I made that decision because I did go there and I had a kick-ass time. It was once again, like the, my first visit a couple weeks earlier, park was not busy. It was just in March, you know, off season. And here I was marathoning Tron. I mean, you know, I was, when I went to China, I had read online, Tron can get hour, two hour long waits. I never waited more than 10 minutes. For Tron, both both times I was there. I marathon. I was very lucky. Pirates, the same thing, all the rides. Well, here I am in the middle of marathoning Tron, and I'm wearing my coaster challenge shirt as I do whenever I'm doing filming. And I remember exactly where I was in the queue, right in the middle of the indoor queue. And this this guy and his son were there. And this the the father looks at me and says, Coaster challenge, I know you guys. And it turns out he and his son, uh, I don't know if you know his son on uh, Instagram, Chasing Coasters, Chuck and Chase. They travel all over the world riding coasters. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so they had just met David, I think a few months or a few weeks before at Knott's Berry Farm. And so we start talking. And of course, you know, here we are in the middle of the other side of the world. You got a father and a son coaster enthusiast and this other guy coaster enthusiast that's a solo traveler there for work and we're connecting up big time and we wound up this is like the middle of the day we ended up spending the rest of the day together we marathon tron together we went on pirates together went on seven dwarves because seven dwarves there is basically the same as the one here except then again 15 minute wait it was you could get on it you can never give out get out of here at magic kingdom it's so busy so i actually got a five minute wait one time at magic kingdom no, oh wow, that's lucky. Talk about lucky. So well, I know, had like a fast pass though. Oh, oh, okay. Well, you, even getting fast passes for that <laughs> is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so just being outgoing and just being willing to kind of, you know, see what the universe is going to send your way. Um, it can be beneficial. And here I was, I, I made two friends and I'm having the time of my life hanging out with a couple of coaster enthusiasts, you know, way far away from home. So I love that message and I totally agree with it. So, yeah. um, so David, is there anything else you'd like to ask? Um, gosh, it's just, um, what is your current coaster count, uh, Bennett? My current coaster count is 414. Wow. And I've only been in like North America. So I want to get some foreign credits to yeah, my still, place is Japan. I want to go. Nice. There's still, there's still a lot more coasters in the United States still left, right? I think oh, there's yeah. like what? Because I, I was listening into your guys' interview. So how I keep track of my coaster count is there's rollercoastercount.com that I go on. It's a website. It lists every single roller coaster, old and new, like the ones that were torn down, parks that were closed. They're all there. So if you went to Giaga Lake when you were back when it was open, you can actually mark all those coasters you've written as credits. And it literally lists them all. And it, it actually does a breakdown of everything. It does coastal counts globally. So you can go to any country and say you've been on certain coasters. So that's how I was able to get 207 coasters for me. <laughs> what was your account? Nice. So yeah, 414, but I'm missing out on California. I'm hoping to hit California this year. I'm also aiming on going to like some of the smaller ones. So like, I'm probably going to do like day trips where it's like I fly there and fly back in the same day to castles and coasters, cliffs amusement park, the parks in Denver. Maybe I'll do it overnight for that one. Silverwood is a big bucket list place for me. Oaks amusement park, uh, some of the smaller ones in like the New England region. I drove there and I drove back in the same day. I'm not doing that again. That, that's uh -huh. terrible. That, yeah. I, I woke up with the biggest travel hangover the next day. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to also hitting up the upper Midwest parks as well for like a week long trip with my friends, Nate and Justin, which by the way, back to what I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, be friendly as much as possible because you can make friends that you can go on trips together, save money. And yep. fun fact about my friend Nate, I actually met up with him. His account is uh, Coaster Focus. I met up with him one time, like I was going with my dad to uh, Kentucky Kingdom. And we decided that we were just going to lap Storm Chaser throughout the remainder of the day. And I'm like, hey, this guy has like a theme park shirt on. And then like he knows me with my Voyage shirt on. And then <laughs> we started talking. He was from Indiana. So because of that, we were able to do like a very well-planned and intricate Midwest trip last year where we got to experience Silver Dollar City. I got to visit Magic Springs for the first time, which does not deserve all the hate that it gets. I think it's <laughs> overpriced, but it doesn't deserve all the hate that it gets. And that was a park that I missed out the year before because our flight got delayed. So I had to choose either Frontier City or Magic Springs, and I chose Frontier City. So, mm. oh, well, uh, Frontier City is nice. a solid park. Nice. I think the one, park, the one park I do want to hit, it's a small one, but it's up in Idaho, Silverwood. Yeah, he just mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, I want to go Silverwood so bad. Like, that's my number one bucket list park in the country right now. Nice for me. Even it's above Magic hard. Mountain. It's hard because it's like it's so excluded up in the north, right? West. There's no other parks 
that you can go to near there maybe a few water parks i was i was doing a lot of google earth searching on around yeah. Silver. the only benefit i would say going there is finding and see if you get a tour of the rmc factory which is in idaho right right That's right down what i was going to do if i did yeah yeah for me my my north american bucket list park is silver dollar city uh, i kick myself to this yes. day for a couple of things for my travels as much as i have you know, gone to parks when I travel for work, there have been times where, yeah, I was an enthusiast, but I just wasn't thinking about that side of things as focused on my job. I've been to Missouri several times uh, and I've not been to Six Flags St. Louis or, uh, or um, uh, Silver Dollar City. And it's just, I, back then I was just so focused on my work, but uh, one, one of these days I will get there. Um, David, by the way, you mentioned for your coaster count, uh, is it, do you mean coaster-count.com? Is that the website you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the one I use. Do you have the app on your iPhone? Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. That's what I use. It's so convenient to, cause I can mark it off right then and there. And, and I, I don't count rerides. I'm not, not crazy like that. Um, I don't count rerides. Cause I'll be honest with you for some coasters, I completely lost count of how many times I've ridden. I know Superman. I've probably ridden it like over 250 times. Make I've ridden at least over a hundred, 150 times men in black. Well, over like, 300, 400 times. Wow. 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 Now, to go back, back, go back to your interview when you and Andrew were talking about your home park, uh, you were talking about Six Flags America. When I went back in 2019, when, after uh, you and I met up for the first time at King's Dominion, um, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I've always heard, like, don't go to Six Flags America, very ghetto, very, you know, messy, all this stuff. When I went there, it was pretty clean. I was like, hey, this park's pretty clean. They got the, the asphalt was all resurfaced throughout the park in the walkways. Huh. Uh, Superman is probably my third favorite hyper, a uh, hyper, hyper coaster there. Um, my least favorite would be Fire Firebird. <laughs> yeah, they ruined uh, they ruined Apocalypse <laughs> by putting the floor springs on. It was so much better to stand up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Sounds like we're group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Bennett, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or mention or ask us or? All I can say, I think I'm kind of like out of stuff to talk about other than like, you know, maybe like future trip plans. But like it's mainly just Cali and like the day trips. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, be the best person that you can to other people and like just be friendly. I yeah. try to be as friendly even though like if people aren't even friendly to me i'll still be friendly back and That's it awesome. gives you a better name gives you a better image and it makes you feel better about yourself and also on top of it too you'll make more friends that are actually more authentic rather than just like oh you're popular or anything like that like and also no matter how big you get whether it be like on instagram or anything like that always try to be down to earth and yep. always try to like just be open and like make friends like don't be like this Big, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but like, don't be like this big guy and then like push people away because at the end of the day, it's like that's how you kind of get like the average person to like not like you. Yeah. For instance, no, yeah. Um, I was actually in Ocean City yesterday taking um, photos of Gale Force. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you know about the whole like the whole thing got burned down. I was taking photos of my camera. Some people were like walking up to me and they're like, hey, nice camera. And I just like, I could just be like, uh, thanks. And then just go on my way. But it's like, I, took the time sell down like trying to have like a little conversation with that one trying to make it too long because i was something i had to do but 
just going down and like just being out open and friendly because you know you never know who's going to look up to you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I've had a, I've had a you know experience that reflects what you're saying there, Bennett. And I would add to what you're saying to say, you know, make your own um, decision or, or you know get your own impression on someone. Don't rely on what other people tell you. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. I've met Taylor Bybee. I met him at IAPA in 2019. And uh, the, um, of course, the, you know, each at each IAPA, there's, you know, probably one ride that they actually have that you can ride uh, that sticks out. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Nebula's, Nebula Z, of course, I always have a Z at the end, uh, was their uh, flat ride, yep. that kind of rotating flat ride with awesome kinetic effects. This looks fun to watch. Um, my friends and I, we rode that a whole bunch of times when we were there. And we wound up, you know, meeting up with Taylor Bybee just by chance. And he and I did a ride on on um, Nebulous together. We're chatting. Super nice guy, down to earth. He's, you know, not caught up. You know, he's he's again one of the most famous uh, coaster enthusiasts. You know, vloggers and, and and so forth. And he's done very well for himself. And he makes amazing videos. But he's a nice guy. You know, he's not caught yeah. up in the in everything. So you know, I agree. Just try to put out a positive attitude. And that's what we're doing with this podcast. You know, Coaster Challenge, we, we're on YouTube, we're all over the social media, and we promote inclusion. We don't, we don't exclude anybody, you know, different political beliefs or anything. Um, and, and we really try to encourage positivity. Uh, we don't get caught up like some other channels do. I've got, I'm not going to name any names here, but I have friends who have channels and, and they have problems. They wind up getting into problems with other channels because they're competing to get video of like, you know, a Velocicoaster right now and and I feel bad for oh, my friend, yeah. you know, because again, I'm not going to name names because it's negative, but you know, he's got another, my friend has got another person here in Florida who's a famous vlogger and they're competing with each other about that. And, you know, it's just, it's, I hate it. It's, it's, you know, there's no need for it, but. Um, yeah, me too. It should be all about like spreading the positivity, not trying to outbeat your competition. Yep. Well, yep. that, and uh, here's the one, here's the one unique thing about when I started this, uh, this organization is we're a nonprofit. We make no money. I mean, our travels and stuff come out of our own pockets. Yep. Our YouTube channel, we're not on monetization. We we tried, we're, you know, it was a pain in the butt. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a true nonprofit. We make no money. In fact, if we raise make any money, it's our shirt sales. And then the money we make on that, we donate to charity every year at yep. the end of the year. Well, I'm happy to say okay. I donate. I donate to the Tourette syndrome organization. I donate to cancer organ children's cancer organizations. Last year, I helped raise three thousand dollars just in donations for the Orion First Riders events. And nice. people who I knew, supporters who supported my movement, they showed their support and maybe number three. I was third place which means they auctioned off a seat for the first high from the first highest bidder all the way to the, like the first 30 people on the first train. So I was number three seat, but the, during the uh, pandemic, the first two never showed up to the event. So I ended up being the first writer. That's awesome. On Ohio. That's really so cool. That's I, awesome. I had the whole front because of social distancing. I had the whole front row to myself on the very first train ride on orion it's on every youtube channel if, it, if you type in orion first writers event you're going to see me going up <laughs> that, so cool. <laughs> that is so cool um yeah that, that, the, key, the key thing i was back when saying because we backtrack a little bit was 
The nonprofit part is where we stand out because a lot of channels out there, they're in it for profit. Right. And for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about trying to make money and do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only, you know, we we actually sometimes lose money because, you know, we donate certain profits from certain channels. I don't mean like YouTube channels, but again, from T-shirt sales, you know, with our Spreadshirt uh, storefront that we have. Um, but another, other areas we lose money. Like, you know, I bought, you know, a decent amount of equipment over the, over the past couple of years, since I've been working for coaster challenge, I just bought my second, um, gimbal for my phone, uh, the Osmo 4, nice. which I love so much better than the knockoff one I had before. Uh, and I just bought a new action cam and, you know, so it's just, it's a labor of love. And I do it because I believe in the mission of Coaster Challenge and I love that we're supporting charity. And I love that we're not in it for ourselves. We don't have that competition and, and that negativity that other channels unfortunately have. So, you know, Bennett, with what, what you've talked about today with how, you know, the positive attitude you have, I think that's awesome. And I'm not surprised by it at all because, you know, again, you and I have interacted before online and social media and, I, you know, I always love watching your stories. Now that I'm back on Instagram, I'm going to have yeah, to start doing you. that again. Yeah, you're always so positive and your little surveys you do, but you know, it's, it's, um, and again, that's why I, I'm, uh, you know, looking forward to, you know, you know, when the times are in Florida in the near future meeting up, uh, cause I I'm love people for with that. positive attitudes. Definitely, definitely. It's awesome. Great positive attitude. Well, so hopefully, maybe, maybe Bennett, maybe you can try and come down in October. Yeah. Down there. That I'll put, I'll put on my radar. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Definitely, um, I, I don't know what Ivan and I are planning on doing. We're thinking, uh, we're either getting a hotel or we're going to rent a house, uh, an Airbnb. If it has multiple okay. rooms. Oh yeah. I love to have a coaster enthusiast party down there at a, at a house where we can barbecue and just really like share stories. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So David, yeah, just keep me posted on that and I'd be down to join. Yeah. yeah. David, once, um, and I, you know, I think we're in, in the next week or two, we'll know with Iva with the, her time off request. And that's kind of the gate for, for booking the trip. Once you, guys know the date for sure and you book the trip you know obviously let me know but you know put it on social media you know make a post about uh, it um you know or maybe even I do like say, a, um, i will that? say i well no when, when bennett and i first met i enjoyed when we met at king's dominion we met right in front of i305 i and i wish i was in my studio right now right now i'm in my work office <laughs> but in my studio if i was if i was in there in I think Andrew's seen some photos, but I yeah. have a long counter and I have all these picture frames of every coaster I've been on in the country, all the, the ones that have frames. And I have the I-305 frame in the front and it nice. has me and Ben in the front row doing a night ride Nice with uh, Mindy and Bradley and, and oh, nice. Justin. Like we, oh, that's we, awesome. We occupied, we occupied a whole train together. That we, there was a big group of us that met up that, that yeah day. and you tell me about that but i have a picture of us in my studio so when people walk in they see the intimidator 305 frame they're like where was this poster at and i said ah king's dominion nice perfect night best that, night ride i've ever been <laughs> that's yeah. awesome i'd have to say so too David, that's very cool. And, you know, David, I've already mentioned this last night when we were talking, but I'll mention to Bennett here. Um, I, uh, I've i never met Mindy and Bradley and their family, but there I was just talking to Mindy as uh, David got me connected with her. 
they're coming down to Florida in a couple of days, and I'm going to be uh, we're supposed to meet up a week from today at SeaWorld Orlando. Um, so, and I I've heard great things about them. You know, they're dynamic, fun people. So I'm looking forward to meeting them and talking travel stories. And I know they've traveled all over the world, like I have. Oh, uh, yeah, they have they, a lot more credits. Everywhere. Yeah, they they've been coaster focused travel. I've been business travel with you know trying to fit in coasters and stuff here and there, but. Um, well, uh, I don't have anything else. And, you know, I, I, this was a, you know, Bennett, thank you so much for your time. This is great interview. Hey, no problem. Thanks for yeah. the invite. Yeah. It was awesome talking to you. Wow. That was a great interview. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Bennett, for joining us today. Yeah. What'd it was think, nice uh, having you guys on. Yeah. I will say Bennett really taught us something really, uh, really good in this episode. I think the key thing, he is right. I think in this community, you need to be nice to everyone who, who you meet or who wants to meet you. And make, and when you're nice to people, that's where the networking begins. And in the coaster community, especially if you're someone who likes traveling and looking at parks all over the country, having friends and being able to network with them, you'll be able to get a lot of perks and opportunities to be able to get either free flights, free rental car, free hotel, places to stay, friends to go meet at a park. Um, and also people that will help boost your social media feeds or your YouTube channels, whoever is out there doing what we do. Yeah, basically, you know, being kind to others is, is a good thing. Exactly. And that's something that this community needs to start doing a lot more of because there are a lot of people out there, and I will say it, there are some people in this community, just like in any other community, I'm pretty sure in other, other industries are the same way, but I think kindness is the best best ingredient for everybody to have when you're you know having a passion for something and treating others with respect and dignity is the right thing to do yeah and, uh, and it goes just, a long way yeah so i really want to thank andrew and bennett that was a great conversation and i'm glad i got to join in a little bit with them on some of the uh, uh parts of the interview but uh you know what this was a great episode and you know next week we're going to have a very special guest joining us and I'm not going to say who the person is, but let's just say you're going to want to watch net or listen to next week's episode. We have a VIP coming on board, JD. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, it's going to be a very exciting episode. But until then, we'll see you guys next Friday. I'm David Cantu. I'm JD Prescott. And we'll see you next week here on Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge?